You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. Somewhere along the way, I realized that you have to be opportunistic and ready to jump at the opportunities that come your way. So along the way, I had the opportunity to start a biotech company and I just jumped at it. I, I was scared of what would happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was not sure about what would happen and whether it would be successful. But here we are. We have created 130 jobs so far. We have a big facility that we're building and we're on a mission to build the biggest um, AAV manufacturing facility in the world. So don't be afraid and jump at the opportunities that come your way unplanned. From Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most powerful women in the Central Ohio business community. I'm your host, Eleanor Kennedy, and on today's episode, we're chatting with Arandi De Silva, co-founder of Forge Biologics, a biotech company focused on hybrid gene therapy. A native of Botswana, De Silva was impacted by science and medicine at an early age. With the AIDS crisis front and center in the 90s, she witnessed the partnership of public and private medicine that helped her country through the crisis, and which would later inspire her to pursue her PhD. My parents still live in Botswana, and I get back when I can. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to travel back for yeah, two, the last years two years. With this, yeah, yeah, with mm-hmm. the COVID situation. You know, I think it's very interesting to me going through the COVID epidemic because one of the reasons that I became a scientist is because I grew up in Botswana where we were in the 90s dealing with an HIV epidemic, Mm -hmm. right? So the government had to work closely with a lot of international scientists, doctors, epidemiologists to really get a handle on an HIV epidemic. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of public policy put in place, a lot of testing and free antiretrovirals. And I saw that firsthand, like the impact of this public-private partnership to get a handle on an epidemic. Mm -hmm. And I was so inspired by all of the scientists there actually having translational impact on an epidemic. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to grow up and become a scientist who did that, right? And it's so intriguing to me watching now, this is something that all Americans have lived through, Mm -hmm. right? Watching public-private partnerships get a hold on a pandemic, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Bringing forward new medicines, new approaches, new public policy, new testing paradigms. All of these things have to work together to successfully an epidemic or a pandemic, right? And I really hope that a lot more 
young women and young men are inspired to become scientists mm-hmm. and have a translational impact. And so if nothing else, I hope that my story can show that that's possible. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You can pursue um, that dream, get the technical training that you need to have that job that you want to do mm-hmm. and potentially even start a company along the way mm-hmm. to do that. From Botswana to Princeton to the Bay Area, De Silva eventually made her way here to Columbus, Ohio. Not at the top of anyone's list for biotech, perhaps, but in Central Ohio, she found a thriving and welcoming business community. So why Columbus? I came here when my husband got a faculty position oh, okay. here at Ohio State. And I came without knowing really what was available, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. What 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 is the potential for a scientist trained like me here? Mm-hmm. But what I will say is that I've stayed because I've been able to find that biotech entrepreneurial community that, you know, is full of like-minded people trying to achieve very similar goals. Columbus is one of the real epicenters for this novel kind of therapeutic approach, gene therapy, right? So we've been able to, I've been able to network really well in Columbus because it's a small, very friendly, Mm -hmm. open and supportive community. And it's been very exciting for me to see this biotech community coming up and growing in Columbus Mm -hmm. and really feeding on itself. Mm -hmm. And that's been driven by numerous companies in the area really working in this space for a long period of time and really proving the concept of how gene therapy can work. And therefore, we have a lot of talent, both in the manufacturing side, but also in the therapeutics development space locally that we could ha- we could bring together and leverage in this new company. And I think being in the right place at the right time has really been the story of my life. Mm-hmm. Being in Columbus at this time when gene therapy was taking off, when all of this talent was moving here for gene therapy, when the entrepreneurial community was really taking off as well and and increasing in its visibility across the country. I think all of these things have aligned really nicely. Mm-hmm. Oh, terrific. It has evolved into being, you know, a traditionally trained academic scientist and, and with postdoctoral training in an industry setting into becoming an entrepreneur. Awesome. So you have a PhD. Mm-hmm. When you were getting your degree, did you always uh, envision being in industry or had you thought about the academia side of things? What did your path to being a startup founder look like? Good question. I think, you know, ever since I've been a teenager, I've always wanted to be a scientist Mm -hmm. and to be a scientist in a more translational setting meaning closer to the patient, closer to impacting patients' lives with what I do. Mm -hmm. And so naturally, industry for me was the right fit. Now, as you're going through grad school, you obviously have that debate with yourself. What if I did the academic Mm paths, right? But I really came to realize that industries for me, when I went to do what's called postdoctoral training, you can do that in an academic setting or you can do that in an industry setting. And I happened to go and join a big pharma company called Genentech in the, bio, in the Bay Area. And that's really what cemented my love of that translational, being an industry, very focused development goals for teams that kind of environment really spoke to me and 
felt like what I wanted to do with mm-hmm. the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Becoming an entrepreneur along the way is more of a unplanned exercise, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And so it it felt like it was needed to become an entrepreneur mm-hmm. in order to start something like a biotech company here in mm-hmm. Columbus. And you are the co-founder of Forge. So tell me a little, I know I'm kind of going in a random order here, but tell me a little bit about how the business got started and why Columbus or why Grove City? Right. I think it's actually very connected as a story. You know, I mean, the genesis of Forge is really a combination of what makes any great startup, right? It's the people, it's the timing, and it's the place in which you launch that business. And I think all of those three things came together really nicely at the same time to help us launch this business and raise the money that we needed to do this. Forge is a hybrid gene therapy company. And what that means is it's really a two-part business. We are on one hand manufacturing at scale and large scales of these complex biologic medicines called gene therapies. And on the other hand, we're really leveraging that capacity and talent that we have on the manufacturing side to develop our own novel pipeline of therapeutics, Mm -hmm. much like uh, a typical biotech company that you may hear of. Mm -hmm. So what's really exciting about it is that we are building a big business in Columbus. We have 175,000 square feet in Grove City, where we're building all of that manufacturing space, and we're creating a lot of jobs locally. Mm -hmm. So on target to hire about 200 people by the end of this year. One thing that, you know, we talk to startup founders about a lot is working on your business versus in your business. And for you, someone who has such a a technical background, what does your day-to-day look like at Forge? Are you still able to do to do the science as it were? (laughs) Or, you know, are you spending a lot of your time kind of managing and raising money? And how do you balance those demands? Right. It depends on the role that you take after being a founder, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're a founder, you have to wear a lot of different hats trying to get the business off the ground. But once the business is funded and has a home and you're building, now you can take on a more defined role within the company. And it just so happens that because I am a technically trained scientist, my role within the company is very technical at this time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I am very much involved in the day-to-day science, the development of our pipeline programs. I'm on the therapeutic side of the business. And so, yeah, I get to have that intellectual stimulation and really help to drive new therapies forward, Mm -hmm. which is what I have always dreamed of doing. Mm -hmm. Well, so this is a podcast about women uh, in business. Yeah. What's been your experience with gender parity coming up both in your uh, doctoral program and then as you've been in the industry you know science generally I think we think of something as we got to get more women in there Mm -hmm. it's you know male dominated but obviously there's uh, such a wide effort on encouraging STEM careers probably seeing more women just what's were you often the only only girl in your classes and what did that look like so I think perhaps Biology and the biological sciences is a little bit unique in that I think we have great gender parity Mm -hmm. there. So all through my education, college years, and even grad school, we had plenty of women, even women professors who I, you know, very much leaned or had an affinity with as mentors, right? Going into industry, I think that does hold across the board except when you really look at leadership level, mm-hmm. right? That's where it really starts to fall off. What I don't have a good handle on is why. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All I know is that, you know, I'm one of three co-founders of a company that we are building here in Columbus. And right now, 18 months after we launched, we are at over 50% women in the company. Mm-hmm. Now I want to see that at all levels, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I want to maintain that at all levels. And so we are really working together with our male counterparts to ensure that that can happen. Mm-hmm. So recently we launched a program called She Forges, which is specifically designed to engage and encourage women to stay with the company and grow with the company, right? recognize that there are ways in which we can help each other as a community to not only promote our our differences and interests, but to stay engaged and help each other to stay engaged as we grow with the company. Can you give me some examples of some components of that program? Yeah. So we've brought in an executive coach mm-hmm. to really speak to us about what skills can we acquire to navigate better in the workplace, right? So this executive coach comes in a couple times uh, a year and is really working with all different levels of the company. So we have a more formal program with the management level women and a little bit more of an interactive program with the company at large, whoever's interested in it. Mm -hmm. So we really want to get tactics to people, to women, to teach them about how to navigate in the workplace, right? And then with the management level, we really want to help, again, tactically with how they manage others and encourage and promote others, whether they're women or men, Mm -hmm. in the workplace. Mm -hmm. We are also hosting several speakers, a series of speakers, women in leadership, right? So we're inviting women of influence Mm -hmm. to our (laughs) facilities to Uh come and talk about their journey in the workplace and in life in general. Mm-hmm. How they balance how they balance everything. Yes, right. Yeah, the classic uh, yeah. work life balance question. What What about the pandemic? How has the pandemic first off impacted Forge? You were talking a little bit uh, right before we started recording that you were really building this company virtually as all of this was happening. So, what impact did the pandemic have early on, and then now as we're all kind of adapting to this Omicron wave? What is that looking like for Forge today? So it was an interesting journey because we were raising our initial investments right around the time that, you know, the state of Ohio and the rest of the country shut down because of COVID Mm -hmm. back in March 2020. So there was a lot of apprehension about would this really cause a delay in raising our Series A? And what does this mean when you can't travel and meet investors, right? what implication does that have on building that relationship, building that trust to make them feel comfortable with making that investment? What I will say looking back is in some ways, the pandemic enabled us to get this off the ground. We were able to meet with a lot of investors virtually. Mm -hmm. We already had a great relationship with our local foundational investor, Drive Capital, Mm -hmm. who was local and continued to be engaged with us, gave us our first home. And that, I think, was really the foundation that helped to bring along other investment and interest in the business. And so we were able to close our Series A within a few months and launch the business in July of 2020. Mm -hmm. 
Since then, as you can imagine, it's a biotech company and we are building a manufacturing facility. So we have had to navigate the um, need for in-person activities with the need for trying to keep everyone safe yeah. and um, healthy, mm -hmm. right? Some of that has involved rotational work, right? Rotating out and, and maintaining smaller numbers at the facility, but then also providing workspaces that have allowed for distancing, social distancing, and minimizing interactions. Mm -hmm. Another thing that we have been able to do is to mandate vaccination in our company, right? So we are very proud to say that we have close to 100% vaccination rate across the company. So again, in the spirit of promoting health and safety, of our people, we've done as much as we can to ensure that. Mm -hmm. Well, what about personally? You mentioned, so you have two kids. You Did. mentioned what has the whole, because that's that's such a part of the the women in business conversation right now is that childcare issues, school issues, navigating this pandemic from that perspective. What's been your experience as a, a person starting a business and raising your kids and dealing with all of this? Right. I think the, I think the hardest part has been the uncertainty. I mm -hmm. mean, you mentioned this as well. I think it's it's that not knowing whether your daycare is going to shut down because mm -hmm. of the COVID exposure, if school is going to be on that day. That's probably the hardest thing that we've had to navigate. We've been very fortunate to have great daycare and great schools locally. Again, local school that we are attending has mandated masks for all the kids. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that has also helped. The, the, the biggest thing that we've been struggling with is the uncertainty mm -hmm. around it mm -hmm. and trying to shuffle and juggle the schedules in response to that. Um, but Do again, you personally work remote most of the time or are you at the facility? Personally yeah. on site. Okay. Yeah, at the mm -hmm. facility most of the time. Well, shifting gears a little bit to more pleasant things. Mm -hmm. If you've had a really stressful day or week, what's your go-to way to unwind? How do you relax? There's a lot of family time that has uh -huh. to happen with obviously having young kids, uh -huh. right? So I try to use that as my way to connect and unwind and completely disconnect from work, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's time when I have to engage with my young kids. So I do, in general, try to put put away my phone for some period of time in the evenings while, while I'm attending to their needs. Mm -hmm. uh, not always very efficient, to be <laughs> honest. But I also have recently got into some of the international content on Netflix. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so Netflix has a slate of, of interesting international um, TV uh -huh. from other countries. I highly recommend some of the Korean shows. Oh. Okay. And I, You're like I, way ahead of the squid, squid game. I was, I was watching K-drama way ahead of the game. <laughs> Part of what I think I enjoy about it is not only obviously their creativity, but... I actually think that it helps me to disengage from um, maybe work activities or life activities when I have to focus on subtitles, mm, right? Mm -hmm. I, I have to focus and read the subtitle and pay attention to the show. Otherwise, I cannot keep up, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. So my new favorite to-do pastime is... You know, when I have the time, watch some Korean dramas. All right. <laughs> That's a great tip, I feel like, because it's so I it's so hard for me to like read for pleasure because mm -hmm. I spend so much of my day like and so maybe this is my way to feel like I'm still reading if I am <laughs> reading subtitles on it. We were just watching some movie that was 
in a foreign language and I complained that it was a lot of reading. So it's probably not you realistic like for me. I, I think mean, it has to be balanced with the creativity of yes, the show. Yes, you know, still be like, engaging. Has to be oh, I engaging. wish I could remember what it was. I don't know if you watched Squid Game. It's too violent too, for me. me. I too, cannot do it. Me too. Yeah. There is much better okay. out there. Okay. Yeah, that's what I... But it, but maybe now we'll get a lot more Korean imports because that was so successful. Oh, I think so. so. Yeah. I think absolutely. Yeah. They're so intriguingly creative, uh-huh. I have to say. All right. Well, that's a, a solid tip. I usually like to ask for the advice that you would offer to young women uh, listening to this who might want to follow in your footsteps. So talking to, to a young girl inspired... By the whole last two years and what the scientific community has done, what would you tell her as she uh, thinks about how to, to structure her career and move forward? Right. So for me, if I had to go back and talk to my younger self, I would say be fearless. Don't be held back, right, by what, what might hypothetically be possible or not. I mean, I was growing up in Botswana. I had no sense that any of my dreams would actually come true, right? But here I am. I have my technical training that I dreamed of. I got to work at some of the best institutions and with some of the best people in the world, which I could only have dreamt of. And somewhere along the way, I also realized that you have to be opportunistic and ready to jump at the opportunities that come your way. So along the way, I had the opportunity to start a biotech company and I just jumped at it. I I was scared of what would happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was not sure about what would happen and whether it would be successful. But here we are. We have created 130 jobs so far. We have a big facility that we're building, and we're on a mission to build the biggest um, manufacturing, AAV manufacturing facility in the world. So I, I think advice is don't be afraid and jump at the opportunities Mm -hmm. that come your way unplanned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, terrific. Well, I hope that y'all are successful. And thank, thank you so much for chatting. It's thank been a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you. And a special thanks to you, our listeners. For new episodes of Women of Influence, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and you've been listening to Women of Influence. <laughs>